What do these three things have in common? West Wing, Perry Mason, and Captain Ear Underoos. Find out on this episode of Hollywood Breaks. So anyway, I'm going up to Portland. Watch what kind of forever. Good for you. Kind of excited for it. I, I feel like um, Maverick didn't disappoint, obviously. No. And I'm hoping that Disney has the same magic. I have it from a reputable source that the movie is it's solid. I mean, granted, he's a little biased, but um, it's solid. And I would never bet against Ryan Coogler. I think he's a great director. So, And I think the loss of Chadwick Boseman gives it a little extra heft. And I think they, everyone involved wanted to pay tribute to him. So I think that's going to give it a little bit more emotional kick. So I'm looking forward to it. I mean, you know, it's a, a, I mean, I find it hilarious that as our attention spans decrease, movie runtimes increase. Yeah, right. But, you know, I, I think they want to do it justice. And I think they want to do Chadwick's legacy with the movie and the franchise and Marvel in general justice. So I think they're entitled to their extended length. So I'm looking forward to it. You know, there, there might be something there. I don't know. After you said that, I'm thinking, would I sit at home and watch a three-hour movie? I mean, I, I guess I'd watch three. Yeah, because you could take a pause it. Pause it. Potty break. Popcorn break. But I, coffee I, break. When I, obviously, on my phone, I think of like, you know, 30 minutes down to 30 seconds, right? That's like my phone watching that little device. I, it's consumables yeah. is what I'm right. at. Snack bites. It's on the TV Snackables. when it's like... Like we're binge watching the West Wing. So we'll watch two episodes, which is a, probably about an hour and a half, you know, because mm. it cuts down to 45 minutes or 40 minutes, whatever, per episode. Hot tip real quick on the West Wing. If you watch the episode after 9-11, you might see yours truly in the background. I was, I was, I was an extra on that episode playing a Secret Service agent. Wait, hold on a second here, Mr. Man. Not only did you get Captain <laughs> EO underpants from <laughs> Michael Jackson. No. But you were on well, West Wing. What? Sorry. <laughs> you were on West Wing? Yeah. I was on West Wing and ERs. That's why when I first moved to LA, I was worked as an extra. There was a scene when What's Bradley the episode? Would... What season? What where are we on the, the It's the it's the first episode after 9-11. Well, how would I know what that one is? I it's don't not, you have to look like it up, dude. The after 9-11 Let me describe the scene for you. I know we're going a little sideways on our show flow, but whatever. Yeah. Um, well, this is important. It's it's a scene where Bradley Whitford is in the white house i think he's in the i can't remember he's in the he's in the white house and the red urgent phone goes off and he picks it up and i'm i'm in the background you might not be able to see me but i'm in the background and i go like this i pick i go to my earpiece i do one of these and then i run off camera isaac and ishmael was the first episode of yes that's it that's the name of that's the name of it yep that's it that's what i was on it was pretty cool to be there for that day i mean because you know sorkin was there um like everybody wow. was there it was really cool it was a cool experience Seamus is going to be so jealous of you he loves Aaron Sorkin he got us um hooked on this show because he's like you have to watch this only through season four because Aaron Sorkin doesn't write for it anymore he has all this yeah. like yeah whatever right yeah. Um, yeah it was cool it was cool to be on the set and it was ER was my first big like that big show and then I did a bunch of shows um David E. Kelly used to shoot like this was when like Ali McBeal was around Boston Public. Uh, yeah, I worked on. We did the opening credits for Ali McBeal. Yeah, David Kelly was, and um, what was the other show he was doing at the same time? Um, another lawyer show. At the same time, I know which one you're talking about. Well, there was also First Monday with, with Dylan McDermott. 
that one. Yes, I know. Yeah, but uh, what was that yeah. one called? I can't remember. I was gonna say Boston Common, but that's not it. It's something. Yeah, he had also had another one called First Monday, which was which was about the um, Supreme Court justices, and I was an extra on that for a few. Oh, that's awesome. I was yeah. an extra on a Perry Mason show. And I was also an extra on the music video for um, Zoolander. Captain EO. That's no, how you got the For Zoolander. Zoolander, are you serious? Yeah. That was a special <laughs> experience because we shot in downtown LA. And it was like we were there till like 2 a.m. And it was like we were in this like old tunnel. Like it was like an old uh, sewage tunnel, like one of those giant tunnels. And we were just supposed to be like, you know, rocking it out. And we had to wear all black and they had to get me all funked up. So I looked like I <laughs> actually belonged, <laughs> not some uh, kid who just moved from uh, the burbs of DC. <laughs> so <laughs> so for, for those who don't understand some of the Hollywood economy, Everyone right. knows what an extra is, right? It's the people, the background players, the people background. in the background. You yeah. basically it's called, they're called background. They're called background. Yeah. You read a book all day. You sit around, do whatever you could. And then every once in a while, they pull you up. You stand yeah. in the, ca- the camera background for like mm-hmm. 15 seconds. And then you go back and do nothing for eat craft service and do nothing for, yeah. for a day. Yeah. But when you get into Hollywood, these it's very available. So if you want to be in show business, it's kind of one of the first things we all do is like sign up for one of those casting agents. They call you at Central Casting in Burbank (laughs) and they call you and they say, we need you at Warner's at 5 a.m. tomorrow. You're working ER. Great. I'm there. Yeah. And you're so excited and you call your mom and your mom (laughs) watches the entire episode of ER waiting to see you. Where were you? I was like, mom, you're not going to see me because... I'm in the background and they're not focused. The camera's not focused on me. It's focused on the actor. Yeah. So it's not about. Yeah. Okay. I got to find this, this spot of West wing where you're, you might not be able to see me. I don't know how tight the camera. I can't remember how many um, angles they shot, but um, you might not be able to see me. Cause I was, I was sort of, were you on set with Rob Lowe by any chance? Cause this was the last season he was. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he was working that day. He might've been there. I can't remember. I don't, I didn't see him. It was mostly, I was in the scene with Bradley where I saw Sorkin. I think I saw Martin Sheen. Um, I can't remember. Um, I know I saw Bradley Whitford and uh, with Allison Janney. Saw her too. Oh yeah. She's brilliant. It was a cool set though. Cause it's like, you know, you walk in. How do we get on this from Wakanda forever? I can't remember. Uh, how we... Cause you mentioned you were going to, you were uh, you were binge watching the West Wing. Oh yeah, that's yeah. And I said hi. Fun fact about the West Wing: I was in the first episode after. Jeez, oh, Pete's man. All right. Well, we just ate about twenty minutes. Sorry, sorry, Hollywood <laughs> Bricks crew. You just Thank got like a watching Hollywood Bricks <laughs> today. We what? He's we bio. talked about Keith and uh, his experience on the West Wing. The filmography <laughs> of Keith. Yes. Background Keith. Background <laughs> background Keith. Yeah, I'm excited anyway. for work. I, I I was what I was thinking was is West or um Maverick did not at all disappoint when it came to, you know, if one if I hit the theaters, you it, we went to the theater and enjoyed it. And I'm hoping that Disney has that same kind of ability and magic. What I loved about Black Panther was the story was about it was a origin story, but it had like an amazing background um to it and like a culture part of it where i felt like iron man's origin story 
you kind of got some glimpses or whatever. So I, you feel right. like you got involved in a certain community, understood it, the tribe wars or whatever that thing was, like who's going to be king war. So yeah. cool. And I'm hoping they don't lose that in this. I don't think so, because I think they're bringing up, um, there's another um, a tribe that's coming up, I think, that lives underwater and they're going to come up and then they're going to butt heads with Wakanda. So I think there's a lot of different, I mean, this is obviously launching it into the next, I don't know what phase, five, six, whatever phase we are in the Marvel cinematic universe um and i think this is a big component of that so i think it's gonna be uh, you know again i think ryan coogler is a very talented director um i think the campaign particularly the teaser for this was brilliant probably one of the best teasers i've seen in a long time and i think when you're able to cut a great teaser like that it's not just because of the music but when you've got the footage then you know you've got a pretty pretty solid film on your hands so um, the one part about the, the teaser slash trailer, and this is totally me, me being the snob and the industry I grew up in. I just feel like the type animation was so basic. It's like the really usual, like, oh, the turn. twist. Oh, turn. Like, come on. This is like, are we back yeah. in 1995? True lies. We can't <laughs> like, I feel like it needed a totally different animation. I'll just say that. Yeah. I mean, they went cheap. Whoever sure. did. I appreciate oh anyone that did the hard work. I kind of get how the whole process works, but when it comes to Black Panther, there's a lot of great opportunities. And I was, when I saw that, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but Disney, you know, Disney has been hurting a little bit here. So, you know, maybe this yeah. will kind of dig them out and give them a good fourth quarter that the Q3 numbers really weren't playing this nicely. Yeah. The, uh, the Q3 numbers were, I would say slightly, I mean, they weren't terrible. Let's just put that out there. Um, I mean, the amount of money they've lost on streaming just in the, the second quarter, or this is third quarter. Yeah. Third quarter. Um, 1.5 billion on street, 1.5 billion. Just let that number sink. And I think we've gotten so desensitized from hearing all these numbers that like, but 1.5 billion in one quarter, like that's a wait, 1.5 billion dollar loss. That's and what's the total? What was the total revenue on streaming? It was four point nine billion, which is up about eight percent from a year ago. So that means they spent six and a half billion on streaming in the one quarter. Yeah, a twenty-four billion dollar platform, billion dollar platform. Because if you did yes. six billion in four quarter, wow. Now to counter that, the you know the studio itself, um, I think their revenue is about twelve point seven billion. Their profit was only 83 million. And then you look at um, a year ago, it was 947 million. So Sean McNulty, who does a really great job of breaking down these uh, $900 million difference. Yeah. A really great job of breaking down the numbers, you know, kind of jokes that hashtag thanks Disney Plus for their total bleep in terms of their profit, which. Listen, given how many people work at the studio level, I, you know, that that's not exactly a comforting number to look at. I mean, granted, a lot of them are being pulled into streaming and working on streaming products and whatnot. So I'm not saying that that's, you know, the death nail for a lot of people at Disney, but it's not the kind of numbers you want to see. Now, the saving grace was the parks. Um, their revenue is about 77.4 billion. Their profit was 1.5 billion. So the parks are doing just fine. So the whatever the parks made, Disney Plus consumed. Pretty. I mean, that's 
that's basically, I think, yeah, you can basically say it was kind of like a, a wash quarter for them. And Chapik basically said, this is, this is where we, this is the peak of losses as far as Disney streaming. They can anticipate. Um, and, and then they qualified by saying, oh, depending on how economic, you know, you know, the economy sort of shakes out, that may sure. change. In other words, if there's a recession, yeah, we might lose more money. <laughs> so. It's so crazy. Like the streaming world, well, I guess I could understand numbers in a certain way. Hey, I need to make a bunch of content before it can be consumed. Right. So by putting six and a half billion dollars into content mm. that's going to sit on the platform and then eventually roll itself out to keep consumers alive and right and yeah. you know consuming, yeah. that's all good. They obviously have to get subscriber numbers up so that they can kind of um, recoup that sooner than later. Mm. And I feel like the consu- the subscriber numbers are dropping. Recession is going to create more people being smart with their pocketbooks and saying milk is more important than mm. than frozen. Uh, well, probably not. Milk is more important <laughs> than you know Baby Yoda. Um, yeah. So then I got I'll drop Baby Yoda, or I'll watch Baby Yoda and then I'll drop the service. Yeah. So you're right. Not yeah. Only buy it. Like that's what I did with Paramount. Right. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I really love the 1883 thing. Paid for it so, for the two months I was there. And then, yeah, but I'm just like, I wanted to see it. So paid for the two months, dropped it. I'm not going to yeah. so I paid 20 bucks to watch that. Um, yeah. Interesting. I, the, so I get that part. It's just that the streaming process, I've been saying this for years, you consume it so much faster than it can be made. Yeah. So no matter how much Disney spends, I can only watch only spend a portion of my time watching whatever they're making. And then I jump mm-hmm. over to a, another person's platform. Yeah. So like I think the, that upside down, you know, consumption curve compared to compared to a two and a half hour theatrical release. Well, I think the other, the, it, it kind of somewhat goes ties back to what we talked about a little bit last week. And what I talked about in the founders brew from last week is when Bob Chapik was at the wall street journal tech conference. He said, we and, and more or less admitted, we need Disney Plus to be more than just a content provider. And you can kind of see why he said that when you look at their earnings. Like they're crushing it with the parks, which under, you know, anyone who's been to Disney has told me that prices are up everywhere. So yes, they're going to be making a lot more money. But they recognize that the streaming is not a long term. It they have to figure out a way to start making money on it. And not just spend. I mean, I think a lot of investors were willing to be like, okay, yeah, you got to spend to build it. We get it. You got to spend money to make it. We understand that. But now it's like these losses are just so large that at a certain point, you got to figure out a way to stem the tide somewhat. And you're, you're right. I mean, there's only so many hours in the day. You can only produce so much content. And then once you're trying to produce so much, as you and I have talked about quite frequently, the quality starts to slip. And for someone like Disney, who has brands like nobody's business in terms of the affinity with brands, <clears throat> especially in, especially the overall Disney brand, you can't afford that quality to start chipping away at your brand. And no, no, they did that in the VHS days. Yeah, the Eisner VHS days. They basically Tinkerbell Nine or whatever. You know, they. Funny, you should mention that because you know who really pioneered that, Bob Chapek. When he was running home entertainment, he was the one who was like, get it now before we have to lock it in the vault. Oh, that's his. That was all that. That was I think I believe that was his sort of genius. And then he was the one who started producing a lot of the sequels like Lion King 2. 
And then that's when sort of the, I think the quality started to dip. So they had to rein it in a little bit, but when yeah. Iger took over, I think he reined that in a little bit, but the vault strategy. Well, Iger I, fixed it when anybody brought on Pixar to kind of say, Hey, well, let's, right, yeah. let's not commoditize. Steve Jobs, <laughs> right. I think, set the record straight is like, you have Tinkerbell Sevens, just not going to, it's not what you're about. Yeah. I can't, I can't associate my brand with Tinkerbell Seven. Yeah. And that's probably why, you know, Iger pulled back somewhat. So, you know, he could convince Steve Jobs, like, listen, we're, we're, we are aware that we needed to reset the quality. I mean, that's yeah. why they shut down a lot of the Disney stores because it was just Disney was just becoming, too ubiquitous to the point where it was everywhere and it wasn't special. And mm -hmm. I think that was something that Iger hyped helped to reset somewhat. Um, but it's interesting. So it, so you're saying the parks generate revenue. And I mm -hmm. guess my point earlier too, is that, you know, when it comes to a theatrical release, I if I spend $300 million making a film, I can recoup that in two or three weeks when the theatrical release, if I'm making something for streaming, does it take me, nine months a year and a half to make my money back um getting six dollars in arpu per, per you know kind of a thing i got <laughs> Sean you the really appreciated that yep, yeah I see. he's gonna love that yeah. um well i mean the other thing is their arpu is pretty low i think it's right around six dollars if i'm you know, remembering correctly which is fairly low for um it's probably one of the lowest i think um you know i think peacock was up up around 10 maybe I may be wrong about those numbers, but you know, it's, it just goes to show you that they have a, they have a long way to go. Now, listen, they've got the new pricing structure that's going to kick in, I think in the mid, mid December where, and as I mentioned last week, they're kind of doing the reverse. They're not using the ad tier to give people basically a option for a low price. They're, they're increasing the sort of, um, the, the, uh, ad free tier. So it's sort of like, oh, right. they're not really giving, they're not just saying, Oh, here's a cheaper option. Like, no, there is a cheaper option, but you're going to have to pay more for the whole kit and caboodle. So we'll Which see makes if that's sense true. in a recession. Let's yeah. raise the prices in a recession. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're all going to be facing this because they're all, you know, cutting prices. And I mean, Netflix is rolling out their ad tier right now and it's cheaper. It's just cheaper. And then the other tier is staying the same, but whereas Disney's kind of taking a... Well, Wall Street's going to be mad at these guys. I mean, I, I have a feeling Wall Street's reacting to these streaming services and just saying, hey, the Netflix model, you guys all chased it. Now it's too late in the game. Netflix isn't even making the money they used to. They're going to add. Well, I mean, it's funny you then... bring that because um, it was a couple of days ago, I think, uh, Disney hit one of the lowest points they've ever hit. Oh, in the stock market? In the stock market. They they dropped to, I think it was Wednesday. Their stock was down to, hold on a second, I got it right here. Uh, it was down 13% to $86.75. The lowest price since 2014, except for a brief blip during uh, COVID in March of 2020. So, and Warner Brothers Discovery is the lowest it's been since the merger. Paramount is, I think, one of the lowest it's been since the CBS merger that they brought back cbs so they're not and you know and then Lionsgate's at a two-year low and amc is a 10-year low so in other words today's a good day to buy stocks <laughs> yeah yeah if you want to get on disney now may be the time to do it yeah it was not a good wednesday for i guess because this was wednesday because this was um uh yeah it was a couple days ago so um yeah, it was not a good day overall for the tech stock, uh, for the media stocks. And I think you're right. I think 
Netflix was looked upon as the golden standard in terms of how you do streaming. And then they started losing subscribers and they got hammered. Um, they've recovered quite nicely. Um, I think we'll see how it plays out. And now they're going to do an experiment with live, which will be really interesting. They're going to do a show with Chris Rock, who hasn't done anything since the slap really other than his road shows. Yeah. Right. They're going to do something in the new year in uh, 2023 with live show with Chris Rock on Netflix. And if that goes off like bangbusters, I would not be surprised if they start leaking into sports. Sure. So, yeah, that's a brilliant move, by the way, because it could yeah. basically just be a platform that people I, can. That yeah. content's being made as fast as it's being consumed, opposed right. to taking nine months to make and consumed in yeah. one hour. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think they looked at what Amazon was doing and the sort of the success they've kind of had with NFL. I mean, it's a lot of re, you know training behavior to the consumer because they're so used to just turning on ESPN or NFL Network for Thursday night football, and now you got to turn on Amazon Prime. Um, but I think slowly people, I mean, the, some of the games of Thursday night haven't been spectacular. So that kind of has hurt Amazon a little, but they are still, people are still going to watch. So I think Netflix is like, Hmm, there might be something to that. And kudos to them for staying Chris rock. Cause that I'm going to watch that. I want to watch that. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of people who are going to want to watch his first live standup show. Um, that's not like a, a show that you watch or you pay to go see it. At a, at a forum somewhere and he will most likely i would imagine will address the slap of course that's what yeah. we're all waiting for so i mean and you know it's and they'll probably be ready it's to really it like i mean dave chappelle not talking what would about be hilarious is if the they chappelle show what like would be hilarious if, if they did it like right before or right after the oscars because if if will smith somehow gets nominated for emancipation which is possible he's just not allowed to attend he can still get nominated do you want to put money on that one no <laughs> absolutely not are you saying he won't or he would i would not put it past the academy from to nominate him i mean we also how they all behaved after the so incident. you would bet I mean, the academy would nominate how much don't put money on that. i wouldn't i'm not gonna put money on it no i'm not gonna put money. i'm not that entirely confident how about but... one case of founders brew just one <laughs> one i will case? give you a box right, well, of rest and you give me a case something. of founders brew how's that that's <laughs> Great. I'll, and then, uh, so what I'll do is if I lose, I'll have to set up an entire brewing operation so I can give you actual yeah. founders brew. Yeah. yeah. You could do that in your garage. <laughs> I've seen people do that. Or I'll just repackage Starbucks and slap a founder. And I'll give you a box price. of red things, which is, uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Which would probably be like a Jolly Rancher. It's like a candy bar. <laughs> you have to, Cause you have to just sit and suck on it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, yeah. I, the streaming services to me, I'm glad they're kind of, there's something, there's some disruption taking place. But the physical location, you know, there's still something about uh, what theaters can do that no one's, everyone's been focusing on the streaming so much. Yeah. Maybe there's going to be a transition back to the theaters. You know, I'm going to predict what we're going to see is some breakthrough filmmakers in, in, in the theater space getting some notoriety because the theaters are currently more wide open than not. Um, get some films out there, get some recognition there. And then we'll see the new generation of filmmakers and names and um, actors that we currently just don't know. I don't know if that will come from, I'd be curious if it would come from the same circuits as the um, film festivals and, you know, other places where people have been discovered before, but 
we kind of need to know that 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 feeding tube has to be put back into the theaters to kind of revive this thing. Yeah. I mean, the big challenge is finding a entertainment that is entertaining for everyone. Like that you're going to get if you want to get people's butts back in the seats and not have to spend 300 million dollars to make Wakanda forever or whatever it is. I don't know what them. I'm just pulling that number out of the air. You got to make entertainment that everybody wants to see. Um, Richard Rushfield, good friend of us, of ours, obviously, of the Hollywood Breaks, had a great piece in the Ankle this week. And it was really, it was about this. It was about, you know, you got to figure out a way to get out of your, and that's why I wrote about it in, this, in the Founders Brew this week, is you got to get out of the bubble. Like you got to figure out a way to get out and find entertainment that appeals to everyone. And I don't know if it's like moving to Ohio for a, a year or something. You've got to get away from this feeling that you got to want to go to a cocktail party on in Brentwood and everyone telling you how great your movie is when like they're the only ones that have seen it. I mean, we're never going to we're never going to find the next Spielberg. We're never I mean, until we start getting out of that habit. And I don't really know if it, I, I mean, I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know. I mean, I think they feel like streaming has kind of given them a, another lifeline, but now obviously the financials have to start lighting up. And I think that's where, where they're going to, you know, r- run headlong into a brick wall if they're not careful. I mean, I'd love, yeah. to, I would love to say that, you know, you're right. It'd be great. We'd find new talent. Theaters would come back, but I, I don't know the polarization and the, the sort of, like I said, the bubble mentality, live behind gates, work behind gates attitude has got to just get blown up if that's ever really going to happen. I mean, we know it's possible, right? Because there are more people working remote, doing things different. There's just like a, a moment in time that we've created smaller economic conditions but, that have a larger influence. But And it might reset itself, but in that moment, hopefully there's well, the, the discovery is what I'm predicting. I, I would push back a little bit on the remote work. I, I don't think that's true. I think people are people are killing remote work you know all the studios won't hire anyone outside of la you can work from home but you can still have to be within driving distance of the no, office it's not that i disagree with you that employees working at studios have to go right. to studios but filmmakers that move from los angeles to another place are still making films. that's true yeah and we'll see, we're seeing movement out of tennessee we're seeing movement out of oklahoma we're seeing movement right. out of texas so that's the sun belt there has created a another kind of playing field that you right. know the seasons aren't as great as Los Angeles, but it's a longer kind of warmer season that you can make things with. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think I used Chris Evans as an example in the Founders Brew this week because he talks a lot about not wanting to live in LA and be in Boston, and you could argue like Boston's very similar to New York, but yes, but yes and no. I mean, it's a East, East Coast city, but it you know it gets it gets you out of the bubble, man. Like you're not. And hanging out with the same damn people who are talking about the same shit, reading variety every day. And that's, that's how you really get down to an original story that appeals beyond just your cocktail party circuit. Yeah. And then Chris Evans exposure to somebody new, he'll work with a different filmmaker from the area. Um, and not Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah. The other, not the, typical, not the go, usual people. go-tos. <laughs> right. You know, that's like, that's where it comes from. That's where those things spark. And I've seen movements yeah. coming out of C- Seattle, San Francisco, Boston, obviously in the past, there's opportunity for filmmakers to, to step in. 
because there's a theater space for them to show their stuff. Mm-hmm. The theaters aren't filled up. I mean, it's Wakanda Forever will probably be in every seat in the movie theater tonight because there's not competition at and then the same weekend. And eventually those theaters need to put different content in those multiplexes. Yeah. So there's opportunity for films to be seen, unique and opportunity for films to be seen. Um, and I don't know. I'm looking forward to it actually. It makes me want to go make a movie. You want to go make a movie with me, Keith? <laughs> Sure, I'll go away and get with you. Let's do it. We, we can do um go find we a can script. do a remake of Strange Brew. We can uh <laughs> <laughs> oh, what do you we'll think? Liberty Barrel Bar and we'll Hey yay. Give me pass up, me a yay? beer, eh? Bye, <laughs> 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 right, my friend. You have a great weekend. Enjoy the movie. You too. You I'll too, text man. you in the middle. I'm actually gonna have my cell phone on and I'll be texting oh, you throughout the damn. film. No, no. Yeah. Yeah, do not be that guy. Then. I'll just call you do in not, the middle. Of okay, just call me in the middle and just talk yeah. loudly. <laughs> yeah. Actually, just call you on my watch because that would be yeah, and and do it at the beginning of the, the movie when the uh, I'm sure there'll be some sort of funeral scene for um, a Black Panther. So make sure you do it right in the most emotional part of the movie. Yeah, and I'm sure everyone everyone in the theater will will sing your praises. They won't care because they'll be talking too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. They'll probably be texting or talking. Or opening some loud package. A loud package or stepping in gooey popcorn or something. Yeah. The the weird one is, is uh, those theaters where the waiter comes. The waiter's like walking down the aisle with like French fries and hamburgers in the middle of the movie. I mean, it's good when it's your food. But when the dude in front of you has like flashlights and French fries, tater tots (laughs) being served, I'm like... (laughs) Can you get out of the way? Try to watch the movie. Yeah, and you, you know, down in front, right? <laughs> down in front. <laughs> All right, have a good weekend. Yeah, you too. See you next week. Okay, bye.